well, I've come from Michigan to minister to you, but here you have already ministered to me. I can't tell you what a thrill and an honor it is to be here with you and to be with, I can tell you, with some of my best friends in the whole world. And I am so, so thankful to be here with you and to be with my family. I don't often get to travel with them. And uh, this, is, um, this is a real treat. Uh, we've got one on the way due in May. And so this was our little, uh, this is our last chance to go away, just the three of us, three and a half of us, 3.4, whatever we considered here. I've got two children, I got one in and one out, but uh, I have children. And it's just an honor to be with them and to be with you. I tell you what, it's always an honor whenever you can come into the house of the Lord. Ever you can come into the house of the Lord with God's people. I'm telling you, you're a rare breed. And I, and I mean, when I come, you breathe life into me. And I want to thank you for that. I see these young men and these young ladies that I know from camp. And uh, so thrilled, Miss Juana, good, so good to see you. And, and um, everyone except Mark, you know what I'm saying, is a real friend to me. I tell you what, my father died almost three years ago. It'll be three years ago, March 28th, he had passed away. We buried him April 1st. And you came. And you came. And Julia came. And Ronnie Lee came. And I tell you what, it blew my mind that they came all that way. Um, and that, and that, that, that reminded me that I have friends. And I'm telling you what, I'll never forget that. I will never forget that. Well, shall we worship together in the Word? Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Colossians? Colossians is a Mount Everest of texts because it speaks so eloquently and perfectly of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Um, Colossians, I think, was, it's, it's, it's in my top 66 favorite books in the whole Bible. I just love it that much. People say, what's your favorite book? And I say, it's the Bible. They say, what about your favorite book in the Bible? I say, yeah. <laughs> I just love the Word of God, and I don't claim to be anything but a Bible guy. I love the Word of God, and I don't tell great stories, and I'm not very funny, but I do love the Word of God, and I believe in the power of the Word of God. I believe that if we will obey the Word of God, God will be pleased and He will bless us. This is the truth. I, if you want revival, um, I believe it was uh, in Jeremiah chapter 7, um, and I just was looking at it as, as she was singing in verse 3. The Lord gives a very specific command. He says this. He says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. This place meaning the house of the Lord. Jeremiah stood on the steps of the temple and he said, If you would but come to God, he would but come to you. And so here we come to open the word of the Lord and say, What would you say to us tonight, Lord? How many of you would say if the Lord would speak, you'd obey? If the Lord would say it, I would do it. <laughs> I would do it. This is the secret of revival, is to obey the word of God. Let's look into our scripture tonight in Colossians chapter 3. You've stood several times, but can I beg you to do it one more time in honor of the word of the Lord? And we'll just read four verses and you'll be seated again. The word of the Lord says, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with God. When Christ who is your life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Church, as I pray over this message, would you pray for me? 
Father, would you bless your people tonight? We, we come not because the preacher is good, because it's very mediocre. But Lord, your word is pristine. It is perfect. It is, it is alive and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. You made a promise to us that your word is, is, is piercing even the, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It is a scalpel, Lord, that pierces down to the core of who we are to do a work that no one else can do. Father, would you do a work in us tonight? Show us your word. Give us what we need. We lack, Lord. We lack and we need you. God, speak and minister the needs of our hearts. We come and we acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. And we thank you and we say it confidently in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you agree, you may be seated. If you do not agree, it's going to be a while, and you're just going to have to stand there. Hasn't it been quite a week? Church, I just tell you, my heart, my heart broke in watching the news because I've got a lot of friends in Nashville, and I've got a lot of friends in, in the Cookville area and, and across Middle Tennessee, and to see what devastation the storm brought. And I just want you to know that we have been praying and, and you have been working, apparently. And this has been a, a time of unifying. And the church comes together to serve one another. And if there's anything good that can come out of something like this, it's that the church becomes the church. I'm just very sorry that it has all happened the way that it has happened. But how fortuitous for have a revival scheduled this week. I don't know about you, but I need revival. I need this. This is what helps us to refocus and to recalibrate onto what really is important and what really matters. It helps us to clarify in our thinking who God is and who God is not. And I need to be reminded daily, not God, but he is God. Not in control of everything I'd like. He is in control. This is what the book of Colossians is all about. We read our text there in chapter 3. Would you go back to chapter 1? I want to just read you some of the context that Paul is, is preaching here. He's talking about the supremacy of Christ, that he truly is God, and we must get our minds around the fact of his deity. He is in control. Amen? The Bible says in Colossians 1 and verse 15, here's how Paul describes him. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, things that were created by him and what? For him. It's all about him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. This is where we've got to get tonight. Wherever you've been this week, whatever's happened to you this week, we must come back to where Christ has the preeminence in our lives. Everything outside of that is called chaos. The world is in chaos. And it's no wonder they don't know Jesus. Christ is the remedy. He is he is the solution for an ordered world. It, after all, he's the one that made us. Shouldn't we say, Lord, how should we live? How should it be, Lord? What would you like to see? And to get our minds here, this is, 
This is the key thing. The Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinks, so is he. It is so important how we think and what we think about. And Christ must be at the center of everything. What I'm trying to say tonight, I guess I could take 40 minutes to try to say this. Give your mind to Jesus Christ. May it be captive to Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 12. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, or in other words, he's begging. I beg you, my brothers and my sisters, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Which is, by the way, it's your reasonable, it's not super Christian stuff to give yourself to God. This is your reasonable service. And then he goes on to say, and do not be conformed to this world. That would be the silliest thing you could do. But, but be transformed. How? How do we do that? By the renewing of our minds. That's right. We are being daily renewed in our minds when we give ourselves to God's word. When we do not, and you know what this is like, you know because you have backslid like I have backslid. It's easy to do. You begin just by skipping your prayer time, by skipping your devotions, and it just happens one day. And it's easy to go into two days, and two days becomes a week, and before you know it, it's been a while, and all of a sudden your Bible app messages you and says, hey, we hadn't heard from you in a while. It's easy to do, isn't it? And to begin to try to get your life in a headlock and make things do what you want them to do and all to find out that you, you've, you've been inadequate, you are inadequate, you're going to continue to be inadequate, that you live and move and have your being in him, that everything consists because of him. He holds it all together and we have never held anything together in our lives. And so Paul beseeches us here in chapter 3, he says, here's for the church. And I believe probably most of you are the church. I don't know. I don't want to assume that everyone's a born-again believer. If you're not, you have to be. The Bible says Jesus is coming again, and when he comes again, it will then be too late to come to Christ. And there will be a judgment, and there will be those who will go to heaven and those who go to hell. There will be no in-between. There will be no bargaining. There will be no negotiating. But in the meantime, you must give yourself to Christ. And he says, and when you do that, when you, and you become in the club, you become part of the team, you become the church, the body of Christ, if you then be risen with Christ, what does he say? To seek those things which are above. He means, just very simply, to think about God. Think about him. Cast your mind to him. Do you guys know that song? I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. Well, I got that too high, didn't I? Started off there too high. But that's the ticket, man. It's just to cast our mind to the things of God and to think about the Lord and talk about the Lord and sing about the Lord. And, and we need friends that talk about the Lord too because if you don't have friends that know the Lord, they will not, they will draw, you will not draw them to him. They will draw you away from him. We must give ourselves to God on a daily basis, intentionally directing our minds to God. This is why it's a command in the Bible. Every time you see a command in the Bible, ask yourself why it's there. It's because we are in danger of breaking it. Why does he say, cast your mind and, and, and think on these things? Because we are prone to wander in our minds away from everything that is important, to wander toward everything that is not important. It is our natural bend. We are sinful people. We are afflicted and affected by our sins. We would like to think that we are not, but we are so prone to be occupied with everything that does not matter. Like making money. Like politics. 
I mean, they matter, and so does making money, but you know, it ain't everything. Amen? Likes on Facebook, follows, tweets, people's approval. I'm not saying it's not nothing, but it ain't much. And the Bible says if you're not careful, you'll spend your time thinking about all this stuff. Here's the thing, guys. We're going to think about something all day long. And here Paul says, I beg you, think about God. Give your mind to him. I'm going to tell you, it's going to do something here. It's going to do something for you. Would you flip over in your Bibles to Philippians? It would just be like a page away. Would you go left? Go left into Philippians chapter 4 just a page or two, and you'll see in Philippians 4 where Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he also addresses their minds, how they think and what they're thinking about, what they're consumed with. And he says uh, in verse 8 of chapter 4, you know this very familiar scripture, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest and whatsoever things are just and whatsoever things are pure and whatsoever things are lovely and whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. He's saying if there's anything good about it, think on these things. Give your mind to this because listen to me and you tell me if I'm wrong. Flip on the news and see if you don't start to worry and fret and oh my goodness, corona. We're not going to live, we won't live to see the end of this meeting, dear pastor. It's going to get us all There are people that are invested in you being afraid of everything. The weather and the president and and the politicians and and Russia and and diseases. And there are diseases that we don't know about. Just wait. There will be something new to be afraid of next week. The Bible says all those things are under the control and the power of Almighty God. We must give our minds to whatever is good and worthy of our thoughts. Think on these things, he says. It's important to, to do that. I think one of the most simple ways that we can do it is just to count our blessings. Do you ever do that? I've got a, I've got to, this is my journal right here, and I just uh, sat down and I just started typing. And man, I was page after page after page, and there were people, some of you are on that list now that I come to think of it. Just thankful for you and thankful for churches like these and pastors like this and, and, and trailers like the one outside and people that come from South Carolina all over just bringing toothpaste from, from 1,800 miles away. There is so much to be thankful for. Have you ever done that? You ever to sit down and just start writing, just start thanking God. I've got asthma, but I've been breathing pretty good today. We, we got a car. It got us all the way down here today. It's in good shape. It's, I think it's in pretty good shape. You know, we try and take care. I'm just thanking God about it, and, 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 and we're healthy, and I think that little baby in there is healthy, and, and my wife, she's as uncomfortable as she can be. We stopped a lot today on the way down here, and she did not complain. She's not a complainer uh, much, uh, but, uh, but she's healthy, and she feels good, and we got a little boy here, and I'm telling you what, we got, a, we got friends and family that said, oh, you got to go to Cookville? Oh, please hurry back. And they, as far as I know, they want me to come back, and I'm thankful for that. There's so much to be grateful for and thankful for. And this is what we've got to do is to think on the things that God has done for us and praise him for these things. Here's the great shame. God is so good to us and he gives us so many blessings. It's it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. The blessings of God, they come so strong and so powerful. There's so many, you can't hardly take them all in. We fail to even acknowledge God for half the blessings he gives us. I think a good first step in in, in revival in our hearts would just be to say, Lord, you have been good. Oh, let me count the ways of how you have been good to me. 
God has been so good and so marvelous. You know what? I, I was going to go to Colossians. Go back to, go back to Philippians 4. I'm going to finish reading you that passage. He says, but I rejoice greatly. Or look in verse 9 there. Philippians 4 and verse 9. He says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the peace and the God of peace shall be with you. He says there's a great uh, correlation here between counting our blessings, thinking on the right things of God, obeying the teachings of what Paul had taught them to do, and, and here he says, and the God of peace was going to show up. What a wonderful remedy. What a, I'm a terrible cook. I, I am not a good cook. In our marriage, we do what we're good at, and I, I can cook meat on the grill. I can heat meat up. That's what I can do. I can raise the temperature of meat. Okay. That and I boil water. Okay. She's the great, she is a great cook. I did not know that until we got married. I just was very, very fortunate. And she makes, she's never, she's only cooked one thing that was bad. And she agrees. Okay, it wasn't good. Okay. But other than that, she, we've had thousands of meals and she's a marvelous cook. Because I have a hard time following directions. I'm telling you, I can't make a batch of brownies. Not something you'd want to eat anyways. But what a, what a wonderful ingredient list this is here. Here in Philippians chapter 4, he says, what I want you to do, um, there in verse 4 of chapter 4, I want you to rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. He goes, what we should do is just add the ingredient of joy and praise and thanking the Lord, which we've already been doing here tonight. He says, and we're going to, um, verse 6 there, he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then here's what he says, and here's what's going to happen. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and what? And your minds, that's what we're talking about tonight, it's the mind, through Christ Jesus. And he's going to go on another recipe list. And finally, brethren, to think on all these things. And then the God of peace. Isn't it marvelous that we have access to the peace of God and the God of peace? Simply by coming and lifting holy hands and saying, Lord, you, have, you know my... And, it, and there's, there's lots of things that we can pray about and, and many things to be discouraged about. But the Bible says when we begin by remembering who has ordered all of the universe who has never so much as blinked from looking at you. He has not lost his sight of where you're at. He's in charge. He's in, I'm in charge of He's in charge of everything. I get tired. The Lord never gets tired. He never, he never slumbers. He never sleeps. He never says, you know what? I'm going to run in the back room. I'm going to lay down for a minute. Hope everything will be all right till I get. He never turns his back from looking at you and me. Aren't you glad? Even in tornadoes. Huh, the tornado has an eye, but the one that I'm concerned about is the eye of the Lord that never left the Cookville area. The Lord knows what he's about. I don't know what God is doing. I don't know what the Lord is up to, but I do know that he is good. He is never not good. And everything that he allows is for our best. I'm telling you, I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now learning, Brother Carrie, that has to do with the mind. The yoke of Jesus that he's talking about is learning what Jesus thinks about things. Isn't that wonderful? He says, come to me and learn what I think. Learn what I know. Let me tell you some things. 
And this is what he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's light. It's easy to come to the Lord. And he, basically the message of the gospel is, you come to me and I'll take care of the rest. I'm so thankful that it's just that simple, that it's just that easy when we can cast our minds to the Lord and see that he is in control and that he is in charge. And there's great blessing that go with this. Would you flip in your Bible over to Psalm chapter 1? Psalm chapter 1 is, is our nation's psalm, and it is, it is uh, one of my favorite psalms. And it says it better than I can say it, and so I'll just read to you the scriptures. Psalm 1 It says some things about two different kinds of people. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. There's some things that he does not do, but listen to what he does do. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. There he is. He's thinking about God's word. He's reading the word and he's meditating on it for a while. And if I could recommend to you something for your prayer time tomorrow, don't just begin with prayer. Begin with the word because then you'll have something to pray about. Otherwise, if your mind is like mine, I say, dear Lord, help me. To, I didn't get an oil change. I should have called Miss, I didn't call Miss Susie back. I'll do that. Honey, did you get coffee creamer? We're supposed to get coffee creamer. My mind runs. But if I have the word of the Lord to meditate thereon, and the Bible says that this blessed man, he meditates there day and night. He, he's committed to thinking about the word of God. It's a, it's a, he's, he's marinating in the truth of God's word. He's ruminating in the goodness of the Lord and what God says and in who God says that he is and what he's going to do in this life. And in the one to come. And this man, who is being blessed by God, he is infatuated with what God has said, with what thus saith the word of the Lord. He's made a choice in his life that he's going to think on these things. He's going to think on a a certain uh, set of things, and it's going to be in the word of the Lord. Because if if you're not careful, you'll marinate, you can marinate in CNN. Fox News, MSNBC, whatever you want to, wherever you want to get your news from, man, I tell you what, and you can be, that can be a, that that is a troublesome marinade. It will produce a a bitter root. Oh, but to marinate and to ruminate and to meditate on the word of the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says about this guy. It's unbelievable. I don't know of another promise in the word of the Lord like this. Verse 3 says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bring forth his fruit in its season, and he, uh, his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That is like unbelievable to me that the Bible would say this about this man. He's, he's committed to nothing other than the word of God, and God's word, and God's word alone. And then the psalmist just goes off and says he'll be strong, and he'll be virile, and he'll be, he'll be healthy, and he'll be fruitful, and, he'll be, and everything he does will prosper. In other words, you can't hurt a man like this. Give him bad news. Oh, okay, I guess that's in the hands of the Lord. You see this in the Apostle Paul. Paul was so, he was so anti-fragile because he was so committed to the Word of God. He was so strong. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't hurt the guy. They said, uh, you, if you don't stop preaching, we're going to put you in jail. He goes, that's okay, I'm just going to convert all your guards and we're just going to have a worship service there. And they're like, oh yeah, keep it up, fellow. we'll kill you. He goes, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain, so whatever you want to do. 
You can't hurt a guy who, who, is, who is consumed with the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen? This is where we need to be. Can I tell you something about your God? Your God does not ever wring his hands in heaven. He does not, oh, oh my goodness, I, it's out of control down there. I, I, I knew it was going to get bad. I know it was going to get this bad. He has never worried a day in the history of all the creation. He has been in charge. He is in charge. He remains in charge. The Bible says, why does the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Verse number three, the Lord laughs at them. So why should we be a people who are consumed with all the negative when we've got an entire book full of the positive wherein we can sit and think and live? By the word of God. This is what Paul says in Colossians. If you are a believer, give your mind to God and seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. Maybe we need to just do some of that in our, in our closing prayer here tonight. We just need to think about how good God has been. You know, we were just driving down tonight, this afternoon, and, and my wife was asking me some things, and she asked some things that brought up some memories. Uh, in Bible college in Nashville, I was able to come and preach at, at, uh, at Copeland's Chapel and, and different places around Middle Tennessee and all, and it was just, oh, it was just wonderful for you to say that and to be reminded of all the good things that the Lord has blessed me with. It's like making a, it's like making lemonade. I mean, if we have a 55-gallon drum up here on the stage, fill it with water, is that lemonade? Now, what if I dump in 50 lemons and I squeeze them and I dump that in there? Is that lemonade? What if I put in about 15 pounds of sugar? Okay, 20. Preacher said, amen. Is that lemonade? It ain't lemonade, church, until you stir up all that good stuff up off the bottom. That really is. God has been so good to us. I think he has dumped all the sweetness and all the goodness into us. And I think what we need to do tonight is just to stir up all that good stuff and to recall and to remember all the things that God has done for us so willingly, so voluntarily. Think of it like this. The Lord has given us gifts that we have not even asked for. God is more willing to give than we are even willing to ask. How merciful and how kind is our God to us. And how many blessings have just gone by the wayside that we have forgotten and, and failed to uh, thank him for and to thank him uh, for doing those things and, and meeting the needs that we didn't even know that we had and for being in charge even on bad days. My church, I want to just tell you that God is good and he is worthy of our thanksgiving. And when you leave tonight, what I want you to say, I do not want you to say, oh, that was a good message. That is not the goal. I want you to say, oh, what a good God. <laughs> what a Savior that we serve. How could a Savior as good as that be as good to someone as bad as me? Amen. Oh, I mean, think of it like this. The Lord died for you, not on your best day, on your worst day. He looked ahead in time and he could see everything from beginning to end. And he saw all of the nitty-gritty and as bad as it would be. And I hope it's as bad as it's going to get. I hope it's going to be all better in our lives from here on out. But on the worst, the thing that you wouldn't tell anybody else about. Because no one would understand. The Lord says, yes. 
I would rather die than to live without them. What kind of God is that? What kind of love is that for people like us? I mean, let's all just be honest. We are unworthy. We are unworthy of the goodness of the Lord. This is what Paul says. If you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Praise God for his goodness. Now he's going to get around to verse 5. Mortify, therefore, the deeds of the flesh. It's not all just making lemonade here tonight. I mean, there has to be some repentance of sin. This is what I started off with there in Jeremiah chapter 7. If you would turn from your ways, God said, I would bring you into my house. I would would meet you here. There must be repentance. But I'm telling you, if you want to meet with the Lord, we should just start by thanking God. We should start by thanking the Lord and, 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 and counting all of our blessings. Because listen to this. He's just getting warmed up. (laughs) <laughs> He's just getting warmed up, Brother Kerry. I mean, he, the blessings in this life, they are tremendous. They are not even worthy to be talked about in comparison to the glories that we will see in heaven. Amen. He told his disciples this. It was the most encouraging thing that he could say on the eve that he would be arrested. There in the upper room after they had shared the last supper and after the, he had washed their feet, he told his disciples, he said, can you help me out? Let not your hearts be troubled. He said, you believe in God? And he waited for a response. They all said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, you can go ahead and believe also in me. Claiming his deity. He said, because I'm going away to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions. He goes, and listen here, if it were not so, I would have told you. (laughs) He goes, "I'm I'm not putting you on. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. He goes, it is my desire not only to bless you in this life and to help you in this life, and in this life I will never let go of your hand. I will never take my eye from you. You will forever be the apple of my eye and the focus of, you will be the the prize crown of all my creation. (laughs) Just wait till you get to my house. Just last week, my wife and I, we went to a, uh, a benefit dinner for an adoption agency, America World Adoption Agencies, and they do specialize in adoptions in, in uh, Ethiopia, other parts of Africa, and also in Haiti. And she told the story, one of the, the women, the, she, the mother, she told the story of going to uh, Haiti to the orphanage to adopt her little girl. And I don't know if you know anything about Haiti, but it's very difficult to adopt there. It's lots and lots of red tape and and, and there's just, and, and really it just boils down to lots and lots of money. And so she would go and they'd say, oh, you have to go back to the states and you've got to go back to your county and have your judge stamp this and come bring it back. And she said she had to go eight times in one year, back and forth. And she had already told this little girl that she was adopting her. And so she would go and she would hope to bring her home and then they would say, yeah, we need another $5,000 actually. So she'd have to go back home and and come back two months later. And so every time she left, she'd have to explain to this little girl, this little girl, she's just four or five, she's, language barrier is there, and she doesn't really speak the language, and and, and she's telling her, I promise, I want to be your mom, and I want to come, I'm going to come back for you, and you're going to come live at my house with me, and and, and I have a room for you, and she'd show her pictures, and she'd say, this is going to be your room, and here's going to be your bed, you'll have your own bed, and and I've got clothes for you, and here's our church, and we're going to take you to our church, and we have food for you, we're going to provide for you, and we're going to do these great things for you, And, and, and the little girl stopped believing her. Because every time she came, she left. 
And she said, it was just so difficult to get into her mind that I promise you, I am, gonna, I am coming for you. And it's so easy with time passing and you know that life is just, it's just difficult and we are used to being let down. Sometimes it might even be easy for you to forget that God is coming again for us. There's a place with your name on it in his home and he has prepared it for you. And, and he says, I, I, I know it's taking a long time. But I can't come until the Father says go. But he is ready and he is coming. And, and he says, look here, here, look into my word. Here's a picture of where you're going to live. And here's how it's going to be where, where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. Set your affections on things. Above. Just, just, I want you just to keep thinking about it. I promise you it's not a lie. I am going to do what I said I'm going to do. Did you know this about our Lord? Everything he said he's going to do, he's going to do. Not one word of this book will fail. Not one jot or one tittle will be changed. Every word is inspired and true, and he is faithful to every word. In fact, he's given more of this word to his coming again for us in the second time than he ever did even for the first. There's more proof there for the second than there was for the first, and I'm telling you the first happened. The second is coming. Church, I just want to encourage you tonight. God is good, and he loves you. And I think we need to spend some time thinking about the goodness of the Lord and to cast our minds to Calvary and to think that he would do that. Even for one like me, Brother Kerry, you love me, right? But I can tell you there's some things about me you don't know. And I tell you this, there's nothing about me he doesn't know. And he loves me more than you do. He loves me more than she does. He loves me more than that little boy does. He knows you, and yet he loves you. Can I pray for you as you just thank him for being him? Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Lord, you have given us a, a scripture that commands us to think about you. Father, I pray that we would cast our mind to your word and, and to reflect and remember and then to obey what we read and what we see. Father, you are worthy. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you would, that you would reveal yourself to us in a new and a fresh way. Oh, Father, would you bless this church would you bless those, Lord, that are without and those that are lacking because of the storm? And Lord, even those that were spared by the storm for the storm that's going on in their lives. Father, I pray that they would come and give their minds to you, and not only their minds, but their hearts. Father, we have many needs, but Lord, we just have one answer. You are the answer. Father, I pray that, Lord, you would indeed meet our needs tonight as we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.